Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. You're listening to Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG. We're online at kpcg.fm. And we have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. Thanks for spending some of your time with me today. Something that people have noticed in the Bible that brings a little confusion is the fact that Christ spoke in parables many times. And why did he do it? Why did Christ speak in parables? Well, some people think it was to make the meaning of what he was saying more clear, but actually the reality is it was to cloud the meaning, to cloud the meaning from most people. And Christ would speak to the multitudes, and he would often speak in parables, and yet people didn't really understand what he was talking about. And why would he do that? Why would he speak in parables? Well, there's an important reason. Jesus Christ came to this earth about 2,000 years ago, and some assumed that Christ would set up the kingdom of God at that time. Uh, but Christ made it clear that he did not come to establish the kingdom of God on earth at his first coming. He didn't come to do that the first time. And we can notice this if we look in John 18. And so we have a few passages today. If you have a Bible handy, we could look at these together. John 18, if you notice this chapter here, Pilate is dealing with Christ, and Christ is being accused of, of all kinds of things. The Jews are accusing him of you know, trying to overthrow the government and such. And so Pilate asks Christ if he is king of the Jews. Are you the king of the Jews? Notice what happens here in verse 36, John 18 and verse 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world... Then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. So very clearly here he tells Pilate, uh, I didn't set up the kingdom yet. It's not time for that. And that's an important point to know. We also need to know that Satan is the god of this world. And you can read about that in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. Satan is the god of this world. He is... In charge, And, of course, he can only do what God allows, but God does give him a certain leeway at this time. Now, Christ has qualified to replace Satan, but he will do that at his second coming. He didn't replace him the first time. He conquered him. He qualified to replace him, but he didn't replace him yet. He didn't replace him yet. So Christ was there teaching and speaking to the multitudes. He spoke to his disciples as well, but he spoke to the multitudes. And so when he gave God's message of the kingdom, the gospel message, that good news of the soon coming kingdom of God, and talked about salvation, he did it in a way where most people really didn't understand. Now, when Christ came to earth the first time, he did not come to call everyone to salvation. Now, that might be a surprise to people as well. But he didn't come to call everybody. Notice this quote from the correspondence course. It's our free Bible correspondence course. You can sign up for it at thetrumpet.com. It says, He came to deliver his Father's message. Christ came to deliver his Father's message. 
the gospel of the kingdom of God. That message included salvation through Christ. But Jesus did not try to get everyone to believe this wonderful message. So Christ spoke to the multitudes in parables. He spoke to them in parables. Why did he do it? Well, let's see what he said about it. This is Mark 4, and we'll look at verses 10 through 12. Mark 4, verses 10 through 12. It says, And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve, so these, he's, now he's talking to his disciples, they asked him of the parable. And he had given this parable, and they, they wanted to understand it. Verse 11, And he said unto them, Unto you, talking to his disciples, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. See, that's why he did it in parables. That's why he spoke in parables. So that they wouldn't understand the full message. He said, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And then verse 12, it says that seeing, I'm talking about these multitudes here, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. So they saw Christ, but they didn't really understand what he was doing. They heard the parables, but they didn't really understand what it was about. And the reason was, is it wasn't time yet for them to be converted. It wasn't time for them to be forgiven. And why is that? That seems that could seem sort of uh, unfair, I guess. Like, well, why? But why wouldn't you, you know, tell them all these things? After all, aren't you trying to bring everybody to repentance? Well, see, it wasn't at that time. It wasn't time for that yet. And there's a reason for that. Christ um, spoke in parables again, so that people wouldn't totally understand what he was saying, and then he would explain it later to his disciples. The correspondence course says Christ preached the Father's gospel to the public as a witness. It was a witness. But he worked with only a few purposely called and chosen disciples or students. They were the ones whom he really wanted to understand the truth about salvation and his coming government on earth. So he only wanted his disciples to really understand because they were being called at that time. The others were not. And when you read through the gospel account, you see that Christ didn't try to draw a lot of attention to himself. He obviously did want to give the message out as a witness, but oftentimes he would you know, not draw as much attention as he could have. See, if he was trying to get everyone saved at that time, he could have drawn a lot more people to him. He could have drawn a lot more attention, but he didn't. Christ was preaching the Father's gospel to the public as a witness it simply wasn't time for everyone to be called, and it's still not time for everyone to be called because Satan is still in power as a god of this world. And it's not time yet for that opportunity of salvation to be open to everyone. But everyone will have an opportunity. Most will have that opportunity after Christ returns and after Satan is taken out of power. And that'll make it a lot easier for people to accept God's truth and to follow it. The Correspondence Course says, For most of his ministry, Jesus avoided publicity. It was not God's will for everyone to understand who Jesus was. 
Spiritual understanding will not be granted to the world until Christ removes Satan from earth's throne. See, that that's a situation where God's fully aware that many people, if, if they were called today and they had their minds opened, they would be overcome by Satan. They'd be overwhelmed by him. And then they'd be in danger of losing out on salvation. So he only calls people that he thinks can really make it at this time. Being called and converted today uh, puts those people that are in that category in a certain amount of danger because they have to contend with Satan. And if they are to fail, then they lose out on their opportunity of salvation. And so there is a risk there. So God's careful about who he calls today. It's, it's for everyone's good. Some people, he calls and says, you know, this is a time when they can make it. And some do make it, and then unfortunately some don't. But there are many people that it's not their time yet because it's not the best situation for them. And God judges that. He knows. He knows. A person might ask, well, how come, you know, he saw fit to call this person and not that person? It's God's prerogative. He knows. And he knows when people have the best chance of accepting his truth and living his way. And that's what he wants is everyone in his family. But there's a different season for each. Some are called today. Some are called after Christ returns. Being called and converted today, again, it, there's a danger involved in that. But God calls people that he knows can make it if they rely on him, if they use his spirit. They can battle successfully and win. Battle Satan Satan's world and uh, the self, the pulls of the flesh. Christ's ministry lasted three and a half years on this earth. He was then crucified, resurrected. He ascended into heaven. And after all that he did, all of his teachings, all those miracles, and including being seen by his disciples after his resurrection, there weren't very many people that followed him. And see, again, if, if it was God's will that everybody you know, followed Christ at that time, he would have called a lot more people. He would have been able to uh, really have uh, more people come along if that was the time. But it wasn't the time yet. And Acts 1 shows that. Look at Acts 1, verses 2 through 4. This shows how many people were there, how many people were obeying God after all that Christ did. Verse 2 says, Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he threw the Holy Spirit had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Verse 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which says he, you have heard of me. So they saw him after he was resurrected. The disciples did, and those that were following Christ. And he told them, look, you know, stay here and wait until the promise. In other words, wait until the Holy Spirit's given. And it was given on that day of Pentecost. Now notice verse 15, getting to the main point here that we're talking about. It says, and in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, so here's Peter, the chief apostle, he stands up. And how many people is he talking to at that time? 120. The number of the names together were about 120. So if Christ was trying to convert everyone at his first coming, 
don't you think he would have had more than 120 disciples? Well, of course he would have. If he wanted to, there would have been more. If it was God's will, there would have been more. But this small group was the beginning, see, of the New Testament church. And Christ is training teachers in his church. When Satan is removed and God is ready to save the world, then he is going to do it, but he's going to make sure Satan's removed, his broadcasting is removed, and then you have these teachers there ready to assist Christ. You have these teachers that have been trained, ready to assist. And why are they there? What's their purpose? Well, they're there to help bring in the rest of mankind. They're there to help teach other people and give other people knowledge and understanding so that they can be called to God's truth. God will call them at that time, and they'll understand it. And they'll have teachers there ready to teach them, to instruct them, to help them, to give them some just wonderful advice and counsel and, and um, instruction and in how to live. And they're going to need those teachers. So now is the time when those teachers are being trained. And so again, that's why Christ spoke in parables to the multitudes, because it wasn't time yet for them to be called. They will have their time. They'll be resurrected, and Christ will set his hand to save them when they're um, resurrected after his second coming. That's the majority of people. All those that have lived and died, never known God's truth, at the end of the millennium there, they'll have their resurrection, and they'll have their opportunity to be taught. So there has to be teachers there. See, God has this masterful plan laid out, and he's doing everything according to his will, step by step. Here's a passage that's often overlooked, but it's very straightforward, and it's in John 6 and verse 44. John 6 and verse 44. Christ said, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So, you know, people don't just decide to, you know, go obey God. God has to call. He has to call them. He has to open up their minds. That's God's prerogative. That's different, right, than what, say, so-called Christianity of the world teaches. They just want as many people in the building as possible. So they say, come on, come as you are. Don't worry about, you know, <laughs> anything. Just come on in. Um, and that's the business model. But that's not what God teaches. That's not what Christ taught. He said, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And that's more than just saying, well, I'm sort of interested in learning about God or, you know, I feel like I should you know, go to church or something. The, the, the calling is more than that. It's a, it's a change in life and in, and in what a person does and in their thinking and so forth. The correspondence course says, but some will ask, what about one who really wants salvation, wants to believe in Christ, is willing to truly repent and come out of this world and be led by God's Spirit in a true commandment-keeping Christian life? Do you mean this individual cannot come to Christ unless God calls him? And the answer, it says, is that's what the Scripture says. <laughs> but such a person... If a person has that attitude and that thinking, is being called by God. Uh, it says, otherwise he or she would have no such desire. It goes on and says, however, most who think they are in that category 
have followed a false gospel, a false teaching, and are deceived. They have a false idea of what salvation is, a false concept of repentance, and a false idea of what God's way is. And so there aren't too many people that God does call. He's very specific about it because he wants to give everybody the best chance to be born into his family. So it's done out of love. It's not a respecter of persons and so forth. It's done out of love and to give everybody the best opportunity. Christ prophesied that God's church would, in fact, be small and persecuted. And we can see this in Luke 12 and verse 32, where Christ says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But the point here, it's the little flock. It's a little flock. It's not big. Now, you look at the main religions in this world, especially those that uh, call themselves Christianity, um, millions of people, billions of people in some cases. Is that God's church? Well, Christ said it was going to be a little flock. That's not little. That's not little. Notice Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14. It says, Enter you in at the straight gate, talking about going God's way. Enter you in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. So again, God's church is a small flock, but here most people take the broad way. It's a lot of people, a lot of you know different ways, I guess, of ambling down that path, but it leads to destruction, and there'd be a lot of people there. But the straight gate, that's different. Verse 14, it says, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life. And we're talking about salvation here, being born into God's family. It says, Narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. Not too many find it. And again, it's because God has to call people to that. He's not calling everybody today. If he did, that would be the broad way, wouldn't it? But it's not. It's the narrow way, the straight gate. It's narrow, and there's few. It's a little flock. The correspondence course says, From Christ's human ministry until his return to earth, God has called only a small minority of people. God's church through the centuries has continued to be small, an embryo of God's new civilization yet to come. That church is in training to rule and teach the world with and under Christ in the world tomorrow. So why did Christ speak in parables to the multitudes? It's because it's not time yet for them to understand. It was a witness. God's message still goes out today in power through the Key of David program, the Trumpet website and magazine, the Trumpet Daily program, other programming. But it's a witness for most people, a witness, and they need to hear it. But God isn't calling most people today. Christ spoke in parables because very few are being called. John 6 and verse 44 shows that, again, God the Father has to make that decision. And he calls people when they have the best opportunity, the best chance to succeed. And for those that don't have a good opportunity today, in mercy, God doesn't open their minds until the time 
where they can succeed. And for most, that will be after the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. But if you are called and your mind is opened, take advantage of it. It is a very special and wonderful calling. If you'd like to know more about this and the plan that God has and when he calls people and how that whole process works, please sign up for the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. It's free, and it's at thetrumpet.com. And you can also look at all the literature at thetrumpet.com. That's free. And we have books and booklets that talk about these topics as well. That's all the time we have for this edition of Live By Every Word. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live By Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.